Broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Live from Studio C. Oh, senor. It is a dimly lit room, and we're deepest within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. Hey, y'all! Today, we're under the tutelage of our general manager. Yeah! The pool of applicants, not strong. Ugh. Gosh. Kamala Harris, maybe? Uh, and that's a stretch. She delivered a sucky, sucky commencement address, but that's really it. She's a vice president. Yeah, I know. Any nominees? Anybody? No, uh, no. I'll tell you. Here's here's what I would call the the uh, general manager. Yeah. The zeitgeist right now. The post-Trump news drought. I think we're in our first news drought in like five years. Uh, we have some ideas. Signed, China. Yes. When we first got into talk radio, our boss told us uh, we headed into summer, and he said the dog days of summer in talk radio, that's when you got to bring out the classic topics. Grandparent visitation rights. Abortion. Yes or no. Grandparent visitation rights. (laughs) Um, You know, and stuff like that, just because there was a news drought, and and it was true. It was was that way for a while, and then certainly it, it has ramped up, and then the Trump era, obviously... Every day seemed like uh, you know the biggest news day in the world, or or the media pretended it was. Sure, uh, yeah. but, but we're back. We're back to kind of the summertime. Eh, people are doing other things. Eh, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that you know. Maybe that's a good good thing for the world. Yeah, we don't, we don't have yeah. to talk. You know, there's other things to talk about besides just the news of the day. So you know, we'll be fine. But uh, I, yeah. I, I I sense a new the post first post Trump news drought. The more I think about it, the more I appreciate the rhythms of life and how important they are and how constant input is not healthy for us, how uh, clickbaity screaming headlines whipping up uh, fear, angst, and or conflict constantly are not healthy for us. So uh, come on up your calls on grandparent visitation rights. Right. Mom and dad don't want grandma to come by. Does she have rights? Call now. (laughs) Wow. That's an ugly situation. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. Maybe Granny's a bitter old hag. Maybe you just don't want her around. I'm going to take the con side. You take the pro side. <laughs> we have to each take a side? That's right. And then, each, and then each hour you swap. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We we had consultants always tell us that. Oh, yeah. No, no. You can't both have the same opinion on an issue. No, you, you have to take opposite sides and argue them. And then take the calls. <laughs> I was like, well, what if I don't believe it? I don't, I'm not going to start. I'm not going to effectively convince somebody of a, a position I find perverse. <laughs> it's also kind of interesting in that, um, uh, that was pre-tribalism, I guess, because in, uh, in the modern world, there's only one side, your side. And they're, you know, so, and you're either on your side or their side. Sure. As opposed sure. to each issue can have a couple of sides. Right. Right. It's interesting. Uh, yeah. World keeps spinning. So another giant um, hack, cyber attack, this time on the biggest meat company in the world. I, They've come for our meat? I don't know how I didn't know what the biggest meat company in the world is, but it's uh, JBS. 
And uh, it got uh, the, the Russians, they think, once again. Why are the Russians doing this so blatantly? Now, is that because they make, like, the biggest steaks? Is that what they mean by the biggest meat company? I think like no. The, like the, the Fred Flintstone, like, ribs that tips the car over. That's where you get that. <laughs> right. JBS, Giant Beef Society. <laughs> if you go to a restaurant where they have the little wrangler or the cowgirl Forget or the it. ranch hand, you get the ranch hand cut. That one came from JBS. Right. Because it's the biggest cut. Right. We don't put out no small meat here at JBS. Come for our big meat. That's what I like. I like restaurants that have uh, stereotypical names for the size (laughs) of the cut of the prime rib. That's my kind of restaurant. (laughs) But what if I'm a ranch hand who identifies as a cowgirl? (laughs) I'm not going to have a little wrangler. What am I, some sort of wuss? Of course I'm going to have the ranch hand. It's 15 full ounces. And I always, at a breakfast place, I always look for the lumberjack breakfast or the, <laughs> yeah. or the ranch hand breakfast. He's, oh, there's the one for me. That looks to be about 3,500 calories. <laughs> yeah, that's my vacation breakfast when I don't know what I'm assuming a lumberjack did during the day, but I'm sure it was a lot more active than whatever I'm doing on vacation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true that. I'm always doing the math on the prime rib. See, it's three more ounces, but eight more dollars. That just, hmm. I don't know if that seems right. But then you jump up to the next size. Yeah, I think generally speaking, size pays. I mean, the geometry on an extra large pizza versus a large, for instance. I've had this argument with Judy so oh, many times. Uh, fill me in on this. Oh, please. An extra large pizza is like $3 more. But geometrically speaking, it's like 40% more pizza. So I can throw out even more pizza? And that doesn't get eaten. Throw it out. How are you throwing out pizza? It's good for like a week. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm a no coffee joke. Table. That's not even refrigerated. <laughs> yeah, please. You throw it in a fridge, it's a month. <laughs> you know, we, uh, we're, we're gluten-free, so we get everything gluten-free, and we've not found a good gluten-free pizza. Mm. And uh, that's, that's one of the big drawbacks on gluten Have you tried the cauliflower crust? <sighs> no, I have not. Okay. I suppose I should try it. I I would not have known it was cauliflower crust. Well, that's good. But that's a good but, thing, because if I know it's cauliflower crust, if I can taste the cauliflower, that's not the pizza I want. But you have to be a fan of the thin crust, I believe. I don't think that's they, fine. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll try that. I'll try that. It's whoever has it. Do you still think it's doing Henry good, the gluten-free thing? We know this. Uh, well, t- two things on the gluten-free thing, which is interesting, because she's... Is there any more annoying crowd than the gluten-free crowd? Mm, but, hardly. Um, <laughs> Twitter, where are you at? <laughs> the point zero 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 one percent of America that has that disease that actually needs to be gluten-free aside, everybody else is just annoying. Um, <laughs> uh, we the whole family was gluten-free for quite a while, and um, it did no nothing for the rest of us. Nothing, absolutely zero benefits. Which uh, is fine, but um, I stay gluten free just to be in, um, you know, solidarity with my youngest son who has to be gluten free. And twice mm-hmm. we we've had him eat gluten, and he's gone berserko. Okay, and it just seems like the the science is in on that. Mm. So, um, how's your stool? Like coal? <laughs> oh, gee, <laughs> you gotta relax, man. That's, that's not good. That is not good. Um, we'll up tight. Yikes. A little uptight. Um, now, I have not found a gluten-free pizza. If anybody's got a recommendation, uh, feel free on the text line, 415-295-KFTC. But uh, like gluten-free pancakes and stuff like that, which I thought, ah, th- th- there's no reason to eat the gluten kind. There's really? no difference. You know. Huh. 
Yeah. I was just saying to Judy the other day, and I said, don't worry, folks, we'll get into the news, and there's stuff happening. And, and uh, But I said to Judy the other day, going uh, very low carb, that's our thing. Mm-hmm. Stay away from the, the breads and the flours and the sugars and the rest of it. I really miss pancakes. I miss waffles. And and and, uh, and French toast. Oh yeah, stuff is awesome. Oh, your yummy breakfasty starches, uh, your carbs. Oh, I miss that. Oh, it's a good thing. Oh yeah, just once in a while, right? What's the harm? I'll I'll get full on the butter. I'll eat the entire <laughs> giant baseball sized pat of butter they bring you at the breakfast place first. Like it's first I'll get full base. on that. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Pancakes, eggs, etc. It's uh, kind of a play on words. How did, uh, how did he not get elected? <laughs> well, let's introduce everybody yeah. to the squad. It's teamwork that makes the dream work. Uh, there's our technical director, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? Uh, good. Uh, two things. Joe is absolutely correct about the extra large pizza. Definitely go that route. Yeah, for, uh, hmm, I never get the extra large pizza. Yeah, you, you got to. It's just, oh. It just makes yeah. sense. Okay. Yeah, and uh, Sean is very lucky. Before this meat shortage, that he went to the Brazilian steakhouse because you know now they're just giving away like one pork chop and a head of lettuce. Oh, because of the meat company. Because of the meat company. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like I may have caused it. I ate a lot of meat. That one night. pork chop and a head of lettuce is what they have at the Brazilian steakhouse. <laughs> yeah. Wow. There's positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing quite well. I think this may be a sign that uh, that I am just getting uh, to the point where. You know, I, I'm 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 old. I'm old because I, I I watch the news all the time, and uh, the, I see this happen constantly. Uh, news generic anchor person will we welcome now our longtime veteran political strategist, a 26 year old. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> happens. It does happen all the time. And 26, you must be watching you know, some old person channel. They usually look like they're. Are did you are you out of high school? They're so young. Your class election cycle shouldn't count as being a political reporter. Are their teeth white? Is their face symmetrical? Are, if applicable, their boobs pert? These are the questions that must be answered at cable TV. Right. George W. Bush being president is ancient history. You remember Obama as president because that happened while you were in high school. (laughs) But that's it. Right. Uh, right. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Wednesday, June 2nd, the year 2021, where Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Let's begin that officially now, according to FCC rules and regulations. Here comes the show at Mark. This is not a model kit that you just snap together. No one's ever built a 62-foot steel chicken before, so he's having to come here, put things together, measure everything, go back to his shop in Tennessee, and, and start then so it's been a work in progress but i'm telling you it's going to be fantastic when it's finished okay well, have to, we'll have my, to my, my headphones aren't working right i thought that man said 62 foot steel chicken the uh the details on that story to come how does mailbag look it's very good jack but before we get into that for instance a 10 inch pizza that would have a radius of five squared is 25 uh, times 3.14 which is pi roughly that's 78 and a half pizza inches and square pie. Square inch. <laughs> that's right, Sean. <laughs> so that's 78.5 inches. Sean, you got to remember that, all right? 78.5, got it. So th- that's a 10-inch pizza. Now, a 12-inch pizza is 36 times 3.1. Oh, I screwed up, sorry. Uh, to, to 36 times 3.14, that's 4,000. I think I screwed up again. <laughs> Wait, Wait, maybe we'll give it try this. this again. Wait a minute. You have a good time, no. Joe? No, it's, it's coming along. I think I got it right this time. Okay, there you go. So a 12-inch pizza, only two inches more diameter, 
has a radius of 6 squared, 36 times pi, 113 square inches of pizza for an additional... Dude, that's beside the point. This is economics. This is not physiology. For an additional 2 to $3, ladies and gentlemen, that's that's 35 inches of pizza. Yes, we're making an argument about value, not pant size. Let's figure out what size side of the argument we're on here. Uh, China has just made an announcement. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, uh, mailbag's looking good. All that stuff on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Yeah, China's saying some pretty provocative things today. I don't know what time it is in China, but their official government spokesman up at a podium saying scary things, including bringing up the threat of nuclear war. So what? stay tuned for that. Wait a minute. Hello. Mute your device. Somebody's got their cue speaker on. It's unprofessional. Uh, here's your freedom-loving quote of the day. Once again, from G.K. Chesterton, Englishman, historian, writer. This reminds me very much of uh, something that, uh, was it, uh, John Adams said. I thought we agreed this was going to fade after about six or seven seconds, Michael. How complicated is that? I I still feel like the change of the first change in 20 years is not going well. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just get into that music and forget. (laughs) Uh, Dig in the Fife Groove. Here's G.K. Chesterton. If men will not be governed by the Ten Commandments, they shall be governed by the Ten Thousand Commandments. Okay. How about that? If you, if you, it reminds me of what Adam said about a, a moral people. If um, you know, if people are not moral, the, oh, the, what he said was the Constitution was fashioned for a moral people and uh, and a religious people. And if they fail to be that, the Constitution would no longer work. Well, um, which is kind of a scary notion. Libertarian belief is that you can be plenty moral without any religion. We'll see, won't we? Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, let's see. Moving along to the correspondence proper mailbag. Mailbag. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, Wendy in Atlanta. I absolutely love this note. The topic is cheesecake and coronavirus. Guys, to me, the mystery of where someone got the cheesecake sounds as silly as the mystery of where the coronavirus uh, originated. Let's go ahead and hear the famous cheesecake clip. Sounds like from your experience, you see someone actually walking away with a cheesecake there after the cheesecake factory was looted. Unclear where they may have gotten that. Sounds a lot like Wuhan, China has the Wuhan Institute of Virology, where they study coronaviruses. People in Wuhan began dying of a novel coronavirus. Unclear where they may have gotten that. Ah, good one. That is Wendy in Atlanta. Well played. Uh, Yeah, China's announcement they just made is uh, pointing the finger at the United States and all the viruses that have leaked from near our facilities. We'll fill in the details on that. It's all a lie, but uh, we'll fill in the details on that coming up. Yeah, I mean, it's such an obvious, desperate lie. They sense the world is closing in. Interesting to watch. Drew the Millennial writes, 
Biden sucks. Well, that's direct. Uh, Biden delivered a speech this evening regarding the anemic economic situation in many urban areas. These areas tend to be populated by a large portion of our brown and uh, black-skinned countrymen and women. Not once, not effing once, did he mention the enormous regulatory burden of the occupational licensing bureaucracy. Mm. Ah, you need to take 200 hours of classes to braid hair. That sort of thing. Or the abysmal school choice policy. Want to bring prosperity to these areas? Then stop mandating extensive, expensive, and typically arbitrary trainings in order to legally braid hair, interior design, arrange effing flowers. Drew's very adamant today. For God's sake, just allow the skilled people of these communities to open their own businesses and stop forcing them to send their children to underperforming public schools. It was nothing but thinly veiled methods of redistributing wealth and influence among essential and prospective coalition classes, shamelessly selling out the people he claimed to be fighting for. This has made me sad. Yeah, we will have to talk more about that later. Joe Biden on the, uh, the, the 100-year anniversary of a terrible you know, race crime um, used that to promote all kinds of, to my mind, racist strategies to get something we're now calling equity in the world, uh, which is everybody coming up with the, the, the same results. Right. Well, I think uh, Drew nailed it. It's it's an excuse to redistribute wealth and and influence among your coalition to keep you elected. It's a very Mott and Baileyish argument. We can talk more about that. Uh, Tom in Vegas points out that the uh, that Trump calling the COVID origins correctly and being shot down by the media has many many. Uh, brothers and sisters, similar stories. We'll get to that in a little bit. Plus, the Supreme Court's about to drop some big decisions. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So one of the spokesmen for China... One of your big wigs. Explain who he is in a second. Uh, stood up and gave a speech, and I was just watching. It's in Mandarin, but I was watching the subtitles, and what he's basically saying is, hey, U.S. biolab sites are located near where dangerous diseases such as SARS and Zika were first identified. So the United States gets the, needs to get their own home in order in terms of unleashing viruses on the world before they start pointing fingers at, at China. Yeah, nice try. So it's a little after 9 o'clock p.m. in China now, which means I believe they are doing this specifically to hit our news cycles. You know, I'll bet you're right. Oh, good call, Sean. That's some analysis right there. That is very uh, clever there uh, for both of you. Chinese and you, Sean. Um, to, Wait a minute. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm checking my local uh, Chinese listings. Nope. Nine o'clock every night on CBS. Angry Communist Spokesman Hour. That's <laughs> oh, wow. It's their, yeah. it's their highest rated show. <laughs> it's a variety show. It's a, uh, Instead of a comedic dialogue, the spokesman comes out. He accuses the U.S. of various sins and crimes against humanity. And then they have like a juggler. And he goes on to say, how about this one? China warns of nuclear showdown with the United States. I feel like... You know, because the age of Trump got so hyperbolic, there's a chance, you know, did China ramp up along with the Trump hyperbolic? Or are they still playing by the old rules? Because by the old rules of diplomacy, what I'm about to read you is a huge freaking deal. It's take your kids out of school and, and run for the hills. But maybe they're on board with, uh, you know, the, the way we do things now. The Chinese government's mouthpiece, mouthpiece newspaper has launched a blistering attack on the United States, threatening it with a high-intensity showdown, possibly involving nuclear weapons. 
Hugh Jin, the editor of the Chinese state-run newspaper The Global Times, said enhancing Chinese nuclear program is now vital to the country's strategic deterrence against the United States. Uh, this The comments come after President Joe Biden called for further investigations into the origins of the virus. Quoting him now uh, on their hit TV show that they run at night, in which they claim that we've released all the other viruses in the world, so we'll <laughs> probably release this one. We must prepare for an intense showdown between China and the United States, Mr. Hu uh, said. The number of China's nuclear warheads must reach the quantity that makes the U.S. elite shiver should they entertain the idea of engaging in a military confrontation with China. Wow. Wow. That's some strong talk. Yeah, interesting. Uh, totalitarian regimes must always ratchet up the outside threat, the perceived outside threat, to justify their more uh, repugnant practices. So this could absolutely have some of that in it. As he goes on to say, as U.S. hostility toward China continues to burn, we need to use our strength and the unbearable risks they would face if they took the risk to force them to remain calm. Well, this is straight out of a, a, a mob movie where uh, somebody is asking questions around the, uh, you know, the auto parts store that's mobbed up. And somebody says, hey, you're asking too many questions. Be ashamed something bad happened to you or your, your pretty wife or your beautiful children. I mean, they're saying, all right, this investigation is over. That's what this is, I think. Yeah, but it's not. It's not, you commie devils. And I'll tell you why. And we talked about this yesterday. There is a contest going on. Is it? Republics, call them democracies if you want. Is it international cooperation uh, that will that rule rule the next 250 years? Or is it the communist system? Which this is a pivot point for humanity for the next several centuries. Oh, yeah. Anyway, on another topic, <laughs> it's kind of hard to move on from that. Or, or you know, yeah, it could easily be the next thousand years of world history. Yeah, yeah, absolutely could be. Uh, the only, you know, it's funny, I was about to say some enormously long amount of time, then I thought, you know, everything changes so quickly these days. What's a 500-year effect in history might just be 50. Although, if the communists get control, given their technological capabilities, you know, crowd surveillance, facial ID, just all of it, uh, online monitoring, they could be the most effective empire uh, in world history uh, by many multiples. It's it's a thought too terrible to contemplate, but here we are contemplating it. Michael, I need some transition music. Can I can I order that up? Two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> No, I love this. It's not, it's not like painful. It's just quirky. And it, and it made me forget what we were talking about. Nuclear Holocaust. What are you going to do anyway? That's good. Thank you. That is awesome. That is awesome. Do we have an artist's name for that? I'm going to start singing and like that. does he have any other songs? I'm going to start singing, singing like that when I'm driving in the car. <laughs> oh, boy. I want to Google the lyrics to that. Oh, boy. <laughs> so uh, they mentioned in this little wrap-up of the Supreme Court that it's been quite the tumultuous year. you got RBG passing away, uh, Amy Coney Barrett filling her vacant seat, of course, Democrats screaming that she was the reincarnation of the handmade tale or some such nonsense as usual. And then you get you, oh, 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 that's right. And there's been a recent uh, second round of insisting that the court be packed with more justices. And poor Stephen Breyer, he's a liberal, 
But he's an old liberal, so liberal America is howling at him to step down so uh, President Biden can can appoint a a successor before Biden croaks or, you know, or he loses the next election. Appoint Noam Chomsky as a Supreme Court justice. (laughs) I don't think Biden's going to be around for the next election, but uh, that's all right. So uh, it's funny because... Was that a threat? No. (laughs) No, of course not. No, he's old as hell. He he, he will not run again, guaranteed. Watch Uh, me. I thank you. Oh, but it's funny how the Supreme Court, they announce the cases uh, that are going to be heard, and everybody makes a big deal. Then sometimes the oral arguments are heard, and, and people jabber about it, the, the, you know, the, the chattering classes. And then you forget that they've agreed to hear some of these uh, rule, some of these cases. There are some blockbusters that are going to be handed down in June. Remember the old this, Supreme we're in June. Court? Yes, yes, clearly we are. Uh, the, the Supreme Court, they unleashed bomb after bomb after bomb as they head for the hills. At, uh, when is it? At the end of June or in June? Sometime? Does anybody know? Somebody check. Anyway, here are the five biggest cases still awaiting a decision before they go on their summer recess. Uh, number one, voting rule laws. Arizona Republican Party, Democratic National Committee have been feuding over ballot laws since before the 2016 election. Renewed attention, obviously, after the 2020 election. The law in question requires two things. First is that a ballot is thrown out if it was cast in a precinct other than the one matching the voter's home address. The second is a ban on ballot harvesting. California, are you hearing this? A practice in which third-party carriers collect absentee ballots and deliver them for counting. So the soups are going to th- rule on that. That could be huge. I want to talk about that more later. The idea that any measure to ensure the fidelity of the election is voter suppression. My friends, you need to be ready to counter that argument. They call everything voter suppression. Moving along. Uh, college, college athlete compensation. The Supreme Court is going to, to rule on that. Well, that could change uh, college sports overnight. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, if I were a betting man, wait a minute, I am, uh, I'll bet they rule in favor of the athletes saying that, you know, you can't deny them the right to earn a living, uh, you know, uh, off their name, they're, they're the likely, or their, uh, what is it, what am I, their likeness. Uh, let's see, number three, big giant case, religious liberty and gay rights. Court's legalization of gay marriage in 2015 gave rise to a whole genre of cases in which religious institutions faced off against gay and transgender non-discrimination regulations. In this one, the city of Philadelphia sued Catholic Social Services, a foster care agency run by the Archdiocese, after a newspaper investigation found that the group would not place children with gay couples. The court is likely to rule against Philadelphia after the justices showed skepticism of the city's arguments during oral arguments, etc. Uh, who knows? We'll see. Uh, number four giant case, the fate of Obamacare. <laughs> oh, no, this is not really a rerun. Obama! From 2020, 2019, 2018, 2017, 2016. Am I listening to a best of? <laughs> you are, as a matter of fact. Welcome. Uh, the future of the Affordable Care Act became a contentious issue. After Trump appointed Barrett, Democrats argued she'd be the decisive vote. Um, uh, they, they, they're, at, they're asking whether the individual mandate is unconstitutional. 
Um, and, and rather than strike down the whole act as a coalition of states led by Texas, asked the justices discuss the possibility of severing the individual mandate from the rest of the act, allowing Obamacare to stand. Not sure which way, nobody's sure which one, which way this is going to go, but it will be badly reported when it is decided. And finally, the F-bomb spouting cheerleader who got pissed off because she didn't make the varsity team and off campus, online, unleashed an F-bomb laden rant. I've hired her as my spokesperson. (laughs) I think she's great. This made it to the Supreme Court. It did. Yeah. Yeah. So the extent to which free speech rights apply to students outside of school. Um. It's a, it's all about uh, speech and 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 school safety and security and decorum and the rest of it. Is this how have, far can it go? Is this going to have further ramifications? For instance, like the workplace that you said things away from work on your own private Twitter feed. Uh oh! Wow, that is a good question. I need to read more about the case. Um, it is freedom of speech versus school security and decorum, and a lot of those arguments could be extended to the workplace. Ah, uh, huh, interesting point. Thank you. Um, we got another a little news thing here that just happened. I think is interesting uh, regarding China, um, and the NBA. A bipartisan commission. Asking NBA players to sever some ties with China. I'll fill you in on the details Ooh. on that. But, uh, you know, the, as we continue to take steps that direction, Dr. Gottlieb is out talking about various cities that are dropping their mask mandates and how that's a good thing. Luckily, I, I live in a safe state where we're going to keep our mask mandate throughout the entire state, even where there's no COVID. Right. For another several weeks. Just yes. to be good and sure. Yes, the laws passed by the legislature, no, I'm sorry, declared by an individual, uh, must be followed. Because we're following the science of last summer. Um, But all that on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. exciting new serial in what feels like a hundred years. Remember how thrilling serial news used to be? Remember when Tricks tried to unite a divided country by introducing Wildberry Blue, a new fruit shape that wasn't just red or blue, but both? Of course you do. It was as controversial as it was delicious, and it represented what cereal could be at its best. Innovative, inexplicable, transformative. John Oliver saying we need to have more innovation in our cereals. We have been stuck in a rut for quite some time. Um, I, I do not eat children's cereals like you and Sean do. I'll just step back and let you discuss well, it. My so perhaps you have children, an opinion on beanies with spinning propellers on the top. My, the- my children eat children's cereals, and uh, there has been no one. They're eating the same children's cereals that existed when I was a kid, and that's not right. We're not driving the same cars as when I was a kid. They're not playing Pong, yeah, the, but they're eating the same cereals as when I was a kid. The oops all berries thing happened when I was a child, right? Come on, Captain. Let's uh, let's let's get the Crunchberry things uh, a little bit more innovative. They can't be out of ideas, can they, <laughs> for, for cereals? And my kids are eating the same ones I ate as a kid? Seems ridiculous. Well, to me, the Crunchberry is timeless, though. 
I mean, some of your fringe cereals, perhaps we can toy with them. But like G.K. Chesterton taught us, tradition is rooted in our ancestors and their beliefs, and we should not toss them aside easily. And if they ate peanut butter crunch, we should eat peanut butter crunch. <laughs> so uh, a bipartisan, bipartisan congressional executive commission on China, uh, Democrats and Republicans put out a letter saying, uh, urging NBA stars to end their endorsement deals with Chinese brands. I, I, we, I, we knew this was coming. I was talking to my, my parents about this just the other day. I said, they, they brought up the, the idea of all the companies that do business with China. I think that's going to rapidly come to a close. I think that's going to happen fast. The pressure is going to mount, and then it's just going to be, you can't even be in China. It'll be, uh, it'll, it, it, be, it would be death for your business. Wow, that would be something. Um, so Chairman Senator Jeff Merkley, Democrat Oregon, explained that um, a lot of these players signed these deals with Chinese companies before 2018, before revelations began emerging of concentration camps. But at this point, we cannot be involved. We believe that commercial relationships with companies that source cotton in Xinjiang create reputational risks for the NBA players and the NBA herself. We uh, say NBA players should not even implicitly be endorsing such horrific human rights abuses. This is um, minor in that it's, you know, a few, a handful of players in the NBA. I think it's major in that we're going to be heading this direction with all our companies soon. Wow. Wow. Yeah, okay. Right. It's, again, that is going to be jarring and incredibly expensive. There, what was, I can't remember the publication that I was, I read a, a chunk here, a chunk there from, uh, the compromises Apple has had to make to function in China. And on the one level, it's understandable. Tim Cook says, look, we need to follow the laws in the countries where we operate. It just happens that the law laws in china compel you to be part of their oppressive totalitarian state and not like just not interfere with it you're an active part i gotta believe they're having meetings at apple where they realize it's just a matter of time i don't know if it's going to be this year or in three years but we're going to have to figure out how to do business without being in china when the world finally has all the evidence it needs that China, you know, started this whole virus and let it get out of control, and and a number of other things that are going to come out of China, I just think there's going to be a, a a public will, a public feeling of you just can't do that. You just, just it's not okay anymore. Yeah, I don't know how yeah. quickly you get there. Like I said, I don't know if it's a this year or three years from now, but I think it'll happen. Here's your devil's advocate argument: there are trillions of dollars at stake, and the companies that are going to make or not make those trillions of dollars are going to hire the best lobbyists in the world to try to influence not only American foreign policy but the statements of the American government about China. They are going to be hammering. The Biden administration, and soon the Harris administration, soon after that, anybody but the Harris administration, uh, they'll be hammering them to soften their stance on China. Let's find a way to work this out. <laughs> How about we just uh, finance every single Democratic congressional candidate in America for the next five years? What do you think of that? The pushback is going to be gargantuan. Hey, speaking of the NBA, do I understand the Lakers are on the verge of elimination? The L.A. Lakers, the world champion Lakers with LeBron James are on the on the verge of elimination? Yeah, I believe the Suns won uh, one last night. Uh, does that give them the third win of the, the series? Yeah, I just saw the L.A. Times headline. It's 3-2 Suns currently. Yeah, nice. Mm, no NBA's LeBron. dead to me, but sounds exciting. Mm-hmm. 
Ah, you know, I was going to quote a fabulous Matt Taibbi piece that we we uh, chatted about late in the show yesterday. Don't have time right now, but I will I will dig it up and we'll get to it. Uh, I wanted to echo something Jack was talking about yesterday. And what was it? What was the uh, Goodhart rule principle uh, conundrum uh, paradox? Uh, what was it called? Goodhart's law. Yeah. When a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. There you go. Right. And, and it's the idea that uh, if you decide um, graduation rates are our goal, that's what we're going to use to measure things, then you just lower the standards so more kids can graduate. You come up with ways to meet your goal that are opposite of what the overall enterprise's goals are. Right. You meet the letter of the goal and pervert the spirit of the goal. Yeah, and it just happens in all kinds of industries, and I think you can probably look around where you work and see it in effect. And and I, I think that is at the heart of the difference between a lot of good policy and bad public policy. And, you know, I, as a conservative small government guy, I think, you know, my side's much better at that sort of analysis than progressives who, if something sounds good, they sign off on it. And not only uh, not only do they not figure out in advance what changes in behavior it will cause, what unintended consequences will come about because of this policy. Not only do they not do that, they don't track it through time. Nobody ever measures whether something's effective or not. But anyway, the reason I bring that up is uh, I've been reading more about this hire-to-fire program at Amazon. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, and heck, we're out of time for this, too. But long story short, Jeff Bezos decided that old Jack Welch was right at uh, at uh, GE back in the day. You got to can the crappiest 10% of your workers every year. That's how you stay lean and mean. So he put quotas on uh, his managers at Amazon, and they're thinking, everybody's pretty good here, so I just got to hire some lunkheads so I can fire them at the end of the year. It's exactly what we were talking about. That terrific Matt Taibbi piece in Hour 2, Don't Go Away, or get the podcast. Armstrong and Getty.